so I had a friend, a really good friend, who lived across the street from a woman who was worried about going on vacation because she thought that thieves were gonna break into her house and steal her stuff. In particular, she was worried about her sterling silverware, which she kept wrapped up in a quilt and hidden in her attic. Uh, now, <clears throat> even then, she's still worried because she told my friend, these newfangled thieves will come into your house while you're gone and they'll use a metal detector and they'll find it up in the attic. She worried about that. So my friend felt sorry for her, and, and she kept trying to comfort her, and she also tried to convince her to get a security system. Uh, and eventually she did. The woman got a security system, but she didn't stop worrying about her stuff. My friend lived across the street from this lady for about 10 years. And in all that time, she only left home overnight two or three times. And when my friend and her family moved away, that woman was still there, and she was still telling people that she had to stay close to home because she needed to keep an eye on her stuff. Now, friends, I trust and I pray that your life is not being adversely affected to that extent because you feel the deep need to care and protect your silverware or something like that. However, given the proliferation of storage units in this country, I think it's safe to say that a lot of us spend a lot of time having to deal with our stuff. I mean, it's just out there as something that we have to take care of and worry about, and that's not new. People had stuff back in Jesus' day, too. They didn't have storage units, but they did worry about collecting stuff and holding on to stuff and caring for their stuff. And because Jesus knows us so well, he understands how our stuff can just really loom large in our lives. And so, for that reason, numerous times in the scriptures, he challenged us about our attachment to it. Case in point, our text this morning from the Gospel of Mark. In this text, a young man comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to the young man, well, you need to keep the commandments. And then he runs through them. And the young man says, well, I've, I've been keeping all of the commandments since my youth. And then Mark tells us that Jesus looks at this young man and loves him and says, one thing you lack, one thing you lack. Go and sell all of your possessions and give your money to the poor and then come, follow me. And the way that Mark describes this young man's response is just amazing. I mean, in just a very few words, we get the whole picture. Mark says, the young man hears this and is shocked and goes away grieving because he had many possessions. Now, the young man in the story seems sincere, doesn't he? I mean, he, he strikes me as so sincere. He's trying to keep the commandments. He wants to be faithful, and he, he proactively approaches Jesus and asks about eternal life. And yet, when Jesus asks him to let go of the stuff, because that's the stumbling block in his life, 
it's a step too far. Because of the stuff, because he loves the stuff, the young man chooses the stuff over discipleship. And that decision limits the whole of his life. It's weird, isn't it? How we can give our stuff so much power in our lives. It's weird if you think about it. I mean, the stuff doesn't have any power on its own. We give it power. And if we're not careful, it can just sort of creep up on us and take over, shape our opinion, shape the whole of our life, limit our life. There's a great story about a monk who was training a young disciple in the spiritual way of living. And when the young man got to a certain age, the monk felt that his disciple was ready to live on his own, so he allowed him to live in a lean-to down by the riverside near the village. And the monk dropped the guy off and said, now look, take care of your spiritual practices, and I'll be back to check on you. Well, that night, the young man washed his pants. His pants were his only possession. Washed his pants, laid them out to dry, and when he got up in the morning, rats had eaten holes all in his pants. So he thought, well, I've got to go beg then for another pair of pants. He goes to the village, he begs for pants, he gets some, and then he thinks, I've got to take care of these pants. I don't want to have to keep begging for more. So he thinks, I will get a cat and the cat will keep the rats away from my pants. So he gets a cat, but then that means he's forced to beg, not only for food for himself, but milk for the cat. Well, this goes on a while, and he thinks, this is too complicated. I need to get a cow. Then the cow will give milk for the cat, who will keep the rats away from my pants. So he gets the cow, but now he's got to beg for food for himself and for the cow, and that gets really onerous. So after a while, he thinks, well, I'll just sort of let go of the spiritual practices, the prayer and the meditations, and I'll spend my days taking care of the land, tilling and, and caring for the land around my lean-to so I can grow crops for the cow. So he does this, and he's actually rather good at it. He grows some good crops, and after a while, he hires some workers, and then he buys some more land, and before you know it, he's one of the wealthiest people in the village. Well, about this time, the monk shows back up to check on his disciple and is astonished when, in the place of the lean-to, he sees a mansion. And he says to his disciple, what is the meaning of this? Oh, Holy Father, says the disciple, it was the only way that I could keep my pants. Does any of that ring true for you? Can you identify with that? Have you ever walked into your garage and thought, how did I get here? Looked in your attic, opened a closet, looked in the trunk of your car and thought, where did all of this stuff come from? Have you ever felt that you were drowning in a sea of stuff, that you're actually oppressed by your stuff? A lot of us actually feel that way. It is incredible how many of us are living lives that are limited because of our care and feeding, if you will, of our stuff. And here's the really ironic thing, friends. The stuff doesn't belong to us. <laughs> you know that? In the long run, it doesn't even belong to us. We're just stewards of the stuff. 
everything that's a, a good thing comes from God in the first place. And then we don't get to keep it in the long run. We can use it to build the kingdom. We can use it for good, for God's glory, but we can't hold on to any of it when we go. Every single thing goes to the garbage or goodwill or Salvation Army or our church or our friends or our family, but we can't take it with us. I have never in all my years in ministry seen a U-Haul trailer attached to a hearse. As my grandmother used to say, there are no pockets in shrouds. And yet how many of us spend so much of our precious time in our one life worried about getting, accumulating, keeping, and taking care of stuff. This is why, my friends, that Jesus says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus understands how we love our stuff, how we can devote our lives to stuff and let that limit us, keep us from doing good in the world in his holy name, following him as a full disciple. And this is also why Jesus said that the love of money is the root of all evil. That's an astonishing statement, isn't it, if you think about it? It's a strong statement. Now, he doesn't say money is evil. But Jesus is clear when he says the love of money is the root of all evil. Yes, a strong statement, but look at how this plays out in the life of the young man in the text from the Gospel of Mark. He comes to Jesus so sincere, and Jesus offers him the greatest invitation any human being can ever receive, the invitation to discipleship, the invitation to live out, to do God's will in the world by following Jesus. It's the greatest thing ever. And how does he receive that? As bad news. As bad news. Mark tells us that Jesus says, come follow me. And the young man is sad. He goes away grieving that's just incredible. And friends, I want to be really candid with you this morning and say that I, I think that this still goes on today, that people receive the invitation to follow Jesus Christ as a disciple as bad news, and I am afraid that the church sometimes plays a role in that. Because we often emphasize, and the church has been doing this for centuries, we often emphasize what you must give up to follow Jesus. You've got to give it up, we say, give it up, give it up, give it up. And we make it sound about as appealing as castor oil. It must be really good for you because it tastes so bad, right? But the truth is that anything we give up to follow Christ is nothing compared to what we gain. And I'm afraid we don't talk about that enough. The joy, the meaning, the satisfaction the spiritual richness we know in following Jesus Christ is incredible. And the truth is, the truth is, the lifestyle that really costs us 
is the one that makes us smaller people. The lifestyle really costs us is when we spend our precious one life focused on getting and keeping and caring for stuff. That makes us smaller human beings. Remember, friends, that Jesus looked at the young man in love and called him to follow. Jesus calls us out of love because it is in following him in doing good, in living out discipleship, that we know true wholeness. I love the way John Wesley, the father of Methodism, talks about the Christian life. Wesley talked a lot about stuff and not letting it take over our lives, and instead he characterized the Christian life this way, and you might know it because it's on many a meme online. Do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. Doing good, following Jesus, rather than spending our lives focused on stuff, that's real life. That's really living, my friends. Doing all the good we can in the name of Jesus rather than allowing our stuff to keep us in a really small box. I'm gonna close with this. Years ago on a news magazine on TV, I saw an interview with a couple who had retired and built their dream home, which is something a lot of retired people wanna do, I guess. And this couple had spent years and years dreaming about this house and drawing out the plans and pouring over every single detail. And so they, they got their architect and their contractor together and they worked for a very long time to just perfect it, you know. They traveled all over the world and purchased things that they incorporated into the home. Every detail to them was sacred. They just, they just obsessed over it to get it right and once it was built, it was magnificent. They spent over a million dollars on the home, but they felt like it was worth every penny. And after that, they launched out on a world tour with their interior decorator to buy things to fill up the house. Well, finally, when it was all done, they were very satisfied with it. And they were sitting at their breakfast table in their beautiful home one morning, sunlight pouring in the window. And they looked out over their garden and had their newspapers out, they were drinking coffee together, and the woman, the wife, ran across an obituary um, for an acquaintance of hers, a woman that she knew of in the community, didn't know well. And she sat there at the breakfast table and she read this obituary and was struck by the content. It talked about how, how faithful a Christian person this woman was, the deceased how generous she was, how loving she was, how she had given so much of her life to love other people, and how she had really never withheld anything from others, but was known as this incredibly compassionate and merciful, grace-filled person. It really struck this woman at the breakfast table, this obituary, and she, she read it through it several times, and then she began to think to herself, about her own obituary, 
You ever done that? Ever wondered what yours might say? She started thinking about that, and she wondered what people might write about her when she died. And she, she thought to herself, will they sum up my life by saying she had a really nice house? And this bothered her. So she raised the issue with her husband, and they began a series of conversations about it. And in the long run, they made an astonishing decision. They sold the magnificent house, and they gave a lot of the proceeds to charity. And then they spent five years managing a homeless shelter. Can you imagine? They moved in and managed this homeless shelter. They learned to love and care for these people. They dealt with the difficulties there. They became very strong advocates for the homeless in their city. And the person interviewing them said, have you ever regretted giving up the house? And it was amazing. They both said, no, we never look back. We haven't regretted it for one minute. Because... They said, it means so much to us to know that we'll be remembered for our service to others, not for building and decorating a house. My friends, our stuff is so seductive. There's a reason that so many of us have stuffed garages and attics and storage units. But the stuff, the stuff can limit our lives. My friends, the stuff, it just isn't worth it. It just isn't worth our time and our dedication and our love. I want to urge you today to be bold, to be extremely bold in this secular and materialistic culture and reject collecting and keeping stuff as the purpose of your life. Instead, I want to urge you to take this one precious life that you have, this one precious life, and spend it doing all the good you can to all the people you can, by all the means you can and all the ways you can, in all the places you can at all the times you can, as long as ever you can. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you such incredible thanks for you have been so generous with us and you ask us to be good stewards of that which you have entrusted to us. Lord, forgive us because we tend to love our stuff so much. Let us let that go, O oh God, and embrace the joy, the satisfaction, the meaning, and the richness in living lives that serve and honor you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.